Hey everybody, it's Richard Harrison, Scott Lease with another episode of the Surf and Sales Podcast Season 2, quickly approaching episode 30. This might be the 30th episode. Uh, As always, a quick shout out to our sponsors of Salesforce, Revenue Cloud, uh, Lead411, and Gong.io as you are growing your 2021 revenue and even yes, planning into 2022, uh, these are the things you should be looking at and helping you from a data quality perspective to execution to management of your pipeline and funnel and all those things. Um, without further ado, I'm super excited to, in, to not invite, but to welcome Lauren Bailey, who I've gotten to know many, many times over the years yeah. at different events. And we've had several one-on-one conversations yeah. Uh, we've even competed on some deals and, you know, talk about how we win and lose against each other. So she's a, she's a, a good friend way more than, than any other competitor. So Lauren is from Factor 8, um, and she'll explain that in a second. And she's also, I believe, the founder of Girls Club, which I absolutely want to make sure she, she speaks to. So Lauren, welcome to the show. You know, Richard, for as long as we've known each other, I've never realized what an incredible voice you have for radio. Like... <laughs> Really? It's so Lauren is on fire today, everybody. She is on fire. We've been cracking each other up a little bit before we Scott, you know, said, look, you know, as long as we keep the expectations low and look, I look like a homeless person. And Lauren's, you know, sniff right before we started was, well, anybody with a beard that thick should look like a homeless person. So Lauren is on fire uh, this morning. So we might just have to, Scott, maybe we go on vacation and give Lauren the mic for a while. If we can't make fun yeah. of ourselves, right? Yes, absolutely. And, so, Lauren, by the way, Lauren this explain what because I was I was I did a little research. Like, okay, I, I've been you guys are I've been following you forever. The podcast is only in season two, so my lab is breaking into my office right now. This is that's the all right. I thought it was my dog. So. It's mine, and he's gonna bust his way in here. Anyway, I was like, ooh, this is a this is an audio only. I don't have any client facing stuff today. Oh. This work jammies, no hair and makeup day. And I celebrate that. And then I get here and these guys are like, actually, we'll probably will put it on YouTube. Right. Of course. Of course. So hi, this is how I look when I wake up in the morning. So it means that's what you brought to do this up. Lauren, you should have done more research, right? You right? right. I should have so. checked other channels. That's but, on- but Lauren, on moving into serious stuff, explain right. what Factor Eight does, uh, at least for a moment. And, and certainly um, Girls Club, because I think those are two really important. Sure. I mean, they're both important to you. So, Well, listen, we're all talking. in the same family of business, right? We help sellers. Um, at Factorite, our mission is to change lives by helping more people feel successful at work. And we work with frontline sellers and sales managers on super tactical skills that make the big difference. We think theory sucks. We stay out of the, you know, how to be a manager and leader and, you know, the theory of sales conversations. And we get super tactical on things like, how to freaking leave a voicemail that people will return <laughs> and you know how to actually what to do in a sales huddle or what are the meetings I should have as a sales manager. So we work with BDRAE teams, account managers. Uh, we work with a lot of field sellers now struggling with virtual sales. And my favorite passion is working with those frontline sales managers. And that bleeds into Girls Club. Girls Club is a cohort um, of just women and our goal is to change the face of sales leadership. There's just not enough women in sales leadership. And I got sick of talking about it, not doing anything about it. So I started something three years ago. And every year we run a cohort of aspiring female managers. And we have a six month intensive program that rapidly launches them. 
into management, that frontline manager level. We've got a 70% promotion rate from rep to manager. And that's before the end of the six months. So these women are amazing and they are taking off like rockets. It's really working. So how long is that program? Like how long is it? Six months. Six months. Okay. So, and how many people have you get put through there? Do you think? Gosh, um, last I counted, we were part of about 70 promotions and each year we have between 50 and 80 people. So let's call it 175 women who've graduated. That's awesome. And do you run two cohorts a year or just one since it's- Right now we're still at one a year. I really hope we can get to something that rolls or or happens twice a year. We're getting our feet underneath us. And uh, thanks to amazing sponsors, we share one and Gong Mm -hmm. who are helping pay for this. And most of the, sadly, most of the women's companies aren't paying to put them in. Right. It's right. Weird. They're finding it and then having to get scholarships or, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're funding them. Yeah. Do you find, do you find companies that do offer, you know, an education stipend? Do you find that those companies support different things like, like what you're doing? Right. Yeah. Or do you find that they think, Oh, that's for your college degree. Like yeah. what, do, what do you think was cr- where do you, what do you think that evolution is right now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, unfortunately, most companies don't offer a stipend. The vast majority I've run into in Girls Club and Factor 8 over 13 years, I would say 5% have an individual stipend for development. And I would say 15% at most have a line item per employee budget for development, and, which is hilarious, right? Like we spend 10x on tools than we do on training. And our employment pool is going down and our customer expectations are going up and the number of tools are going, like all the reasons in the world that we need to invest more in our people. Not to mention it's the number one thing millennials are looking for, right? right? I mean, do you guys find yourself on the soapbox like I do? We all sell development and we all know how much people want it, need it and gain from it, but leaders aren't budgeting for it regularly. Yeah, I, I never had a budget for it as a VP of sales ever. And I had to negotiate it into my contracts to get something for me to keep myself educated. And part but, of but that's a hell of a lesson right there, Scott. What is just negotiating? For that all in. of us to do that. Yeah, yeah, as we're taking on jobs. Yeah, yeah I, I, I negotiated like budget to do one or two courses, go to one or two events just, just for me, but I never ever was able to get budget um, for my team underneath me. So I ended up creating contests because I'd get spiff budget and I'd make the prizes, if you will, these educational kind of things and courses and events and stuff. That's like freaking that. brilliant. Just trying to hack it together, right? Yeah. In any way that I could. Yeah. Yeah. It's freaking brilliant. What do you think the resistance is there? Is that it's not tangible, immediate to, you know, a tool, right? Yeah, right. Right. Like, oh, that can have immediate revenue impact. Yeah. It's crazy because you and I've been doing this long enough that we watched people go from zero tools budget to line item done. And we've been struggling through that whole time saying, hey, yo, wait, well, well, hey, but, 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 you know, in fact, I even launched an online platform thinking I could sneak into the tools budget. That still didn't work. Anyway, I think the resistance is a few fold. I think number one, it's just the way it's always been. Right. So we're trying to change something and it, it, it's not that it, it, here it is. Number two, it's not that I'm thinking about it and ignoring it. It's that I'm not thinking about it. 
right? And, and number three, there's very seldom a training emergency, right? If you think about things that are on fire in a company and what gets pushed to the top, it's never, oh crap, I don't know something, <laughs> you know? Like he's missing some coaching, emergency, emergency. There, it, people don't see it that way. And it's, um, it's a soft number. People don't believe the training results even when you produce them. Um, I talk about that all the time. I always tell, I, I've formulated why ROI, how I shift that conversation, right? Like our, our you know, our, we have a friend who I think we all know um, who um, would say that, you know, nobody believes the R, they only see the I, right? <laughs> so true, right? So. so I don't know. What do you think? What would you add to my list? Because these are just musings of why people aren't looking at it. I think it's a copycat league, right? Like Scott and I've been talking about this lately about major league sports and why they don't have real sales training um, or they keep using the same person they've used for 25 years and have no tools, zero, barely have a CRM, stuff like that. So I think it's a copycat league. I think it's the, um, I also think a lot of people avoid it because they don't know how to do it and they don't know the value of it. Yeah, right? they weren't raised with it, right? right? So when you and I came up in sales, all of us, right? Uh, we got hired with a new hire class of a bunch. We all got thrown into the deep end. We're the ones who swam. There were two or three others, but by the time we got to manager, most of them were gone. By the time we hit director and VP, sure as hell, all of them were gone. And, and so we made it, can't everybody else. Yeah. And it, it's just a different employment horizon out there. I think part of it is that they're up until really recently, there really hasn't been many tools to help with coaching. And then if you're trying to get training, there's a million sales trainers and coaches out there. And how do you figure out like which one's the right one for you and your company and, and which ones are bogus, which ones are good. It's very like fractured and fragmented. And yeah. it takes a lot of energy and effort, I think. To go figure it out. To go figure it out. And they don't want to, they don't want to do that. Yeah, it's fair. And it's just, it's never seen as a silver bullet either right? Whereas a tool, mm, I think a lot of sales leader buy, leaders buy tools for when they were a rep. Man, if I had this kind of outreach or intelligence when I was at that level, I'd be a freaking rock star. Nothing could stop me, but it's not always the right fit for the average player. I want to go back to, to something you said about Girls Club when, when you said 70% of the cohort has been promoted. Yeah, 70% of the rep cohort. Let me put it that way. Rep, rep cohort, okay. Yeah. So I wanna go behind the curtain and talk about how these promotional decisions are really getting made at an executive level. Ooh, I find like, oh, it's in the comp plan. If you sell, you know, a million dollars this year, yeah. you get promoted or whatever. Yeah, sure. okay. no, it's not. How are they really, how are these decisions really getting made? Tell, tell everybody the, the truth. The truth. Oh, I can't wait to see what you say about this too, right? Because you guys have been sales leaders and, and I'm going to speak as a woman first. Okay. And which will be a surprise to most people who know me, <laughs> such a dude. Um, we think as women in mass generalities aside that when I work really hard and I do a really great job, somebody's going to notice right? And then I will naturally rise to the top. I'll be discovered and I'll be promoted. And, and that sort of wishful thinking 
is so mired in bullshit that, that we spend half of our time in girls club undoing that unconscious belief system. Women don't toot their own horns and they don't raise their own hands often enough. So this study out of HP, I think Forbes published it, the confidence gap, right? Women and men raise their hands at different levels. If there's a promotion and a guy has six out of the 10 requirements in the description, lucky to have me, he's all over it, right? So how many, how many does a woman have to have for her to raise her hand? Any guesses? Nine. It's 10. It was all of them, if I remember that study. You're exactly right. All 10. So I literally will not apply for a job until I am positive. I can do the job perfectly from the beginning. We're perfectionists. We are creatures of that from by nature, right? I, like I've looked at the brain studies. It's hilarious. It's true. There's scientific proof. We are wired to be perfectionists. And can, you send that to, can you send that to Scott and I? Because we have significant yes. others who might. Oh, oh you're going to love this. Right. We can use this help, right, Scott? All right. Check yeah. this out. The medial frontal cortex in a woman's brain is larger than a man's brain, even though the man's brain is larger overall. What is the medial frontal cortex in charge of? Finding flaws. Finding flaws. Like we are literally, the, it, and it's, it, and scientists call it hypervigilance. You guys call it my wife crawling up my shorts. <laughs> like, but that is what we're hardwired to do. It's, it's great, isn't it? Anyway, so. Here's the truth of the matter. I think that who gets the promotion has very little to do with the official application and job posting. I mean, we all know this. It's who you know, not what you know. You can send a resume into a hundred companies, but they already all have somebody in mind. HR just made them post the damn job. So it's yeah. true in our own organizations with promotions as well. So women, first of all, you're not going to get noticed just for doing a great job. You have to actually freaking apply. You have to raise your hand. You have to talk to somebody a year before you think you might even want to get into management about your desire to do that. You have to toot your own horn. You have to make sure people know about your achievements. And here's one of the biggest things I think that we can do in, in taking action on what's really behind the curtain is you have to have an advocate. And an advocate's like an internal mentor, but more than that, they're your voice in that room. So here's what really happens. The three of us are in charge right? We're the C-level of this fabulous company. And we're like, all right, let's fill this spot. Okay. We had about 16 people apply, but let's be honest. It really came down to Bob Lowe, Mary and Sue, you know? Yeah. What do you think? And then each person gets a soundbite. Scott, you've known Bob for 20 years. You're going to give us three sentences about Bob. And Richard, you're going to give three sentences about Sue. And if nobody knows Mary in that room and she doesn't have a voice in the room, she's out. Yeah, she's done. She's done. It doesn't matter what's on her resume. It's her soundbite that makes the difference in the final conversation around the executive boardroom table. And that's why you have to have internal advocates. And women don't do that. I keep my head down and I work. I don't go find people who are going to support me and speak for me in the room. The what do you guys think? Well, I think the internal advocate piece is really interesting because I've been in those rooms before. Yeah. And there's a difference between a C-level person sort of saying, hey, uh, I put my name on, on Lauren, you know, mm -hmm. she's, she's my pick. Yep. There's a difference between doing that 
and doing that and then going back and arguing and lobbying a second, a third and a fourth time when somebody else on the other side of the room is positioning really strong to advocate for Richard. Yep. So the advocacy has to go beyond like one surface layer. Has to, I have to be willing to fight for you. Which means I have to know enough about you yeah. that I can respond to it. It's not just what I picked up from the resume and the interview. It's what I've seen Scott do over the last few years because actually I've been mentoring him. He's been shadowing me. We've been meeting once a month or once a quarter. I've given him a few assignments and I've seen him perform. Now I have a basis for that lobbying because you're right. It doesn't usually stop at round one, right? I vote Scott. Well, wait a minute. We narrow, it down to, we narrow it down to two and then there's always two execs who have uh -huh. a really strong opinion and there's a back and forth and a back and forth. And it's like being in a, a courtroom. It you, totally is, isn't it? The jury, the rest of the people in there. It totally is. And who's going to win that more often, right? A man who's been out networking and tooting his own horn and trying for job assignments or a woman who's had her head down producing excellent work. I know it's horrible stereotypes, but there you go. If you keep your head down and you're not doing the networking and the advocacy and the and the stretch assignments and volunteering and interacting with people, then you're not going to get chosen. So, so what do you what do you say to those people who are like, um, I don't do politics. I don't do internal politics. I don't do external politics. I'm not going to play games. What do you what do you say to that? Do you and say I think you're going to have a really fantastic, dedicated career at a very low level. There you have it. That's, that's the truth right there, Richard. It, it's interesting. And I know we won't go into this here, but you know, there was a time when Scott hired me and I was coming down from a VP of line manager. Um, that is me. That's all right. And, uh, and it was 2008, 2009. So it was during the recession and I needed to get a job. And I remember there was a opportunity for a director level and Scott became, you know, put me into that role. Now I, I Scott, we've never had this conversation of, well, did you put, you know, Tony up there? Did you put Colby in that Ooh, group? Or ladies him? and gentlemen, tune in. The truth comes well, out. But I also know, no, but this is okay. And he, he, but it's interesting in what you said, my team was never the strongest performing team, but I was the guy who was sort of always a little bit more operationally focused and was like, hey, Scott, this, hey, Scott, that. Mm -hmm. uh, we actually became friends through this process. So, I, you know, it's interesting thought. I don't know, Scott, like, but, and I've also seen Scott where he will advocate for people, you yeah. know, and he finds those people. So my, mm -hmm. my question for you, Scott, is what is it you're looking for so that you will go advocate for someone, right? And will you take someone under your wing and teach them how to advocate for themselves because you see something in them that they don't see? Well, yes, a hundred percent to the latter part of that, that question. Yeah, for sure. Um, and what are those things? What are those things that you, because I know you think very differently in the hiring mi mindset. Yeah. What makes you advocate for somebody? And by the way, if you can sneak in there, what was Richard's soundbite? We all want to know. <laughs> I, I don't remember R Richard's soundbite ne necessarily. I just remember um, 100% going to, going to battle in the room and being like, no, he's the person that should be in that particular role. And, you know, we haven't ever talked about it, but I promise you Richard wouldn't have got that role if I wasn't in the room lobbying for it over and over and over. Um, but, you know, when I, when I hire people, like, I don't care what's on somebody's resume. I really don't. 
I barely even pay attention to it. In fact, when people hand me the resume, I usually just flip it over and, and so I can't even look at it. And they give me a weird look. And I say, well, I really don't care who you've been. I care about who you are and who you want to be. So let's talk about that. Awesome. Um, and so that, that starts the kind of whole process. And, and so for me, Lauren said it before, like they have to know who you are. I have to know who this person is. Mm-hmm. And so if we've worked together for six months or a year or three years or whatever, mm-hmm. I have to know who you are. I have to know what's going on, what motivates you, what frustrates you, what you suck at, what you're great at, what you're passionate about. I have to care. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't create a relationship with me where, where I care mm-hmm. about you and your career beyond just did you hit your number or something like that, then I'm not going to advocate for you. It's mm-hmm. really that simple. Boom. And I, I can't tell you how many women I've met through girls club who believe it's the resume that's going to get them the job. And then who also believe that if they're going to go build a relationship with you before, you know, the job off offer or opportunity that they're wasting your time. And in fact, we do surveys on their way in. How many of you have applied for management before or have asked for development before? And it's usually around 50% of every cohort. And these are the women, by the way, who advocated their asses off to get in the program. So we're already talking about the top 10%. And of that percentage, I've made up that number, right? 13.7% of all statistics are made up on the spot. So this creme de la creme, 50% of them have never applied before. And we ask why. And the number one reason is I don't want to waste somebody's time. Yeah. And I feel like there's more I have to perfect before I apply. So they're, they're citing perfectionism and a lack of confidence, Yeah. right? That me building a relationship with you would be wasting your time. And, that, and that's I, what we try to battle. I get that from the start all the time. People are like, well, you know, I didn't want to bother you. I know you're busy, this kind of thing. Yeah. My, yeah. My, coaching, my coaching has always been stop worrying about me and my feelings and my time. And worry about you and your career and where you want to go. I'm like, let, let me tell you no, or let me tell you I can't do it right now. What, yeah. what, are, you, what are you worrying about? Stop, stop putting me first. Yeah. Put you first. Yeah. And women aren't wired to do that. Listen, I'm the head of Girls Club. I own two companies. I'm basically a dude, right? And still, if I'm hungry, I make everybody else food in my family before I make it for myself. They're not even hungry. Be clear, right? It's just... I'm wired to work this way and it's stupid. Um, At the beginning of this cohort of Girls Club, I sent everybody a welcome video and in it, I gave them my personal cell phone number and said, you're gonna get out of this what you put into it. You decide who you're gonna build relationships with. But if you'd like to build one with me, I love having text friends from two years ago in generation one. So here it is, text me, right? There are 80 women in this cohort. I got four texts Mm -hmm. and I was inviting them to do it, right? So. That's a peek behind the curtain. We hey, don't Lauren, 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 give out your cell phone number. Let's see if, if people will text you. Like, seriously, I give mine out all the time and nobody ever does. That's just me. I'll, 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 I'll go first. Ready? 530-209-3667. I'm 480-304-2381. And I'm 415 five, nine, six, nine, one, four, nine. So people need to pack up 30 seconds. Send us a group text. It'd be hilarious. We'd love to do it. That's the the winning ticket right there. Who is the person that sent the message to all of us? Okay, group text and subject is, what else is the truth? What else, like what's your point of view on behind the curtain, how people really get promoted? Yep, I I think- I also think, Lauren, you've just discovered the title to your podcast. 
This is your podcast, baby. Right. Behind the curtain. Yep. Behind the curtain. I think it should listen. I think that the, people don't talk enough about what really, really happens. You should you should do it and make everybody on your cohort and a cohort come on your podcast, and then they have to host one of them. Like put them out of their comfort zone, right? Like I make them a co-host. Like Scott and I do stuff, and you guys just have a conversation because that's be because that's I do think that's part of their growth and leadership is they need to be able to put themselves out there in a social way, right? Yeah. In a very different way. I agree. Um, so I agree. Yeah. Spotlight's your homework. Yeah. So in girls club, one of the ways now that we've learned these things, right? So we attack this promotion track with the stool, right? Leg one is skills, management, sales management skills. Leg two is the confidence building. Quit trying to be perfect and raise your freaking hand, right? Leg three is community. So we get them mentors, help them find advocates. And for the first time, most of them are getting exposed to female mentors and role models because there aren't any in our companies. And that's, it's hard for women to find their place, right? When I came up, I thought I had to be a guy. Like I didn't buy a dress until I was 35. <laughs> All pantsuits, hilarious when I look back on it. So, and then the seat of the stool is spotlight, Richard, for, to, to your point exactly. So for some people, their stretch is posting on social media. For some people, it's getting on a webinar with me. But for some of them, the stretch is just doing their assignment that much, which might be a skip level meeting with their VP. So internal or external spotlight, it's definitely part of it. We have to learn to flex that muscle. We have to find it first and then flex it. I have a, I have a question. What someone who's listening, they want to get promoted from BDR to BDR lead, BDR manager. Um, by all means, let's, let's focus on women because I think it's an important topic. And they're too nervous to do all these things. Like it sounds so great coming out of Lauren, right? Like you're no bullshit artist, right? It's very aligned with Scott and I. What's like the first or second thing you try and get them to change in their mindset? Mm. Because, you, it, you know, it's baby steps, right? No matter what it is, it's always a baby step. What's yeah. the first baby step? The first baby step is after you've checked to make sure you're doing your job correctly, right? Don't be one of those millennials who wants a freaking trophy for coming to work on time most days this month. <laughs> get, get to work on time and meet the minimums right? And make sure you know what you're doing before you go ask for the promotion. That's step one. And once that's the case, then you meet with your manager and you say, I'm really interested in moving up in this company and development and promotion is important to me. I'd like when appropriate, your help and advice on building a plan with me to get there. Well, I have one more question around this, actually. Let's back up a step. What's, what do you think is the final straw that makes someone want to do something like girls club, not necessarily in terms of promoting girls club, but make them sort of go, okay, I, I clearly need some help. Yeah. Right. Like what's that piece that again, for people who are listening going, Oh yeah, that is me. Like, yeah. Where's that? I find for most of the women, we ask them this question, they come in looking for two things. The first one is the confidence building. That's a silver bullet. They realize they've got some imposter syndrome. They realize that they're holding themselves back and they like that we authentically talk about that. Um, the second thing they're looking for are the skills. Women want to train for the job before getting the job, right? Whereas let's be honest, 90% of us promote reps to manager and we still don't train them. So that was a big surprise to us that half of our cohorts every year were existing managers who got the job. They raised their hands 
but they got in there and they're like, I still haven't gotten the training or the support or the mentoring or the confidence building and I'm drowning or I feel like an imposter. So Richard, the short, that was the long answer, but the short answer is they're coming for the confidence building and for the skill development. They realize that if I want to get here, I'm going to need some help. And my company just doesn't offer it back to the very first conversation we had, right? I think that the number in the survey we had was that 70% of the companies, and these are the girls in girls club, uh, maybe it was 76.9 don't offer any management or leadership development. That sounds accurate to me. Like I, I certainly never got it. You know, I had a, I had a coach. I've been repeating this a lot lately is that one, not only are there no management skills, but it's, it's the soft skills that are the hard skills. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting to me, you know, again, I'll generalize, but it's often, I feel like women are better at the soft skills Mm -hmm. than the hard skills where we're talking about coaching and giving feedback or accepting Mm -hmm. feedback, Mm -hmm. you know, like that's not so natural for the typical type A frat boy like Scott. Um, like Scott. Ha, yeah. ha, ha. Yeah. Uh, it's that's funny. Right. In fact, the our, homeless frat boy, the homeless. Right, that's right. So. There's a lot of love in the room, Scott. Um, in fact, our benefactor gong recently published something about listening skills and how, right. Listening was the key to higher sales. And that yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So we're great it's at listening. life. Like it has nothing to do with sales. It's like the better you listen, I think the more successful you are at your relationships with your family, with your kids, with your friends, like, you know, I, I think it's, it's a strong piece for me and Scott is that I will listen to him and he will listen to me on certain, on, you know, when we want, when, when we need advice on things like that. So, but I think you're both excellent listeners. I mean, if we go back and replay this, I've probably interrupted you both seven times. And there's, there's also, there's also a study by Gong that says that's also very successful, like, right? So you know, you got to figure that balance. So there I'm going to just balance. take that snippet and, and put it on repeat for my wife. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. I, I want to ask a question about uh, management training, but, and, and maybe you do this and this, and this will be me returning the favor for not doing enough research. So we'll, we'll, we'll call it even. Why, why are people very keen to focus on frontline sales management training? But what there is literally none of other than an executive life coach is VP level training. Mm. Where is the VP of sales development Um, training um, and and course and all this kind of thing? Yeah. Where is it, Lauren? It doesn't exist. No, it doesn't. That's what I thought. But I want to know. I want to know why. Why? Why? I think I can tell you, like, to answer that question, in my opinion, I'm going to go back to when I was a training director, when I started training departments, right? Your budget goes towards the masses. Your number one issue is I'm bringing new people in droves that I spend a lot of money to bring into the company. So new hire training gets done first. Then you get onto the ongoing development of your massive employee level, right? It's a pyramid. And I've got most people down here. And if I've been at it for a few years and I'm really good and I got a great department, then I get to the managers, which we've already talked about. 70% of the companies don't. There's one dude up here. It's not, there's no ROI in the investment when you look at it from the masses. If you really look at it, of course there's ROI to make that dude more powerful. I'm sorry, that woman, that man or woman, look at me. I'm sexist and I'm in charge of girls club. I'm a realist. It's always a dude. But listen, especially in startups, 
in startup land, if you get that first head of sales, VP of sales hire wrong, yeah. you are proverbially fucked. Yeah. Like it could sink the entire company. Yeah. Like you could be done. 100%. Well, listen, you guys, we all own our own business too. Where's the CEO training? Well, that's a good point in and of it's itself. They, 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 don't, they don't need it. They got it at Stanford. They got when they got their MBA. Right. I did. Let's be clear. I went to the University of Northern fucking Iowa. <laughs> but they also keep in mind, they also read, you know, uh, predictable yeah. revenue and never split the difference over the weekend. So they're also experts in the first 90 days. So right? they're just like, they're ready by Monday. But I, that's think, I, I think, I think there's a, a massive opportunity for all of us and whoever else out there might be listening to develop training and develop a cohort of VPs of sales, because finding a VP of sales that knows what the hell they're doing is not easy whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. People come to me all the time saying, do you know a VP of sales? Do you know somebody here? Oh my God. Yeah. Help me hire somebody. They're basically asking me for like, do you have people who worked underneath you, who Mm -hmm. you would vouch for to be a VP of sales? Because they're looking at that as like their apprenticeship or their their coursework. Well, this person worked next to Scott for three or four years. So they've probably seen it. I'll give them, give them a shot. So I, I really think that there's, there's a huge opportunity there. And I think if it doesn't show up, Here's the next question that I have for you. I think, I think this can happen and I'm starting to see it more and more at a younger and younger age. Do you think the VP of sales role is an endangered species? Well, I think right now it's current lifespan is two to two and a half years in any organization. And I think that's not unrelated. Yeah. Oh, that's generous. Wow. That's generous. Right. That's- but, I, but there's more and more people who are like, you know what? Fuck that role. I'm not signing up for an 18 month life expectancy yeah. where I get all the blame and no credit. And you can see people now who have been a VP of sales one time, who've been kind of successful one time, yeah. and they're like, I'm out, pulling the ripcord, I'm a consultant. Yeah. Uh, no, I, think, I don't think it's endangered. I think we need it. I think we absolutely need it. Um, somebody's got to drive it. Somebody's got to set the strategy. Somebody's got to translate it. Then where, then where are all the future VPs of sales going to come from since none of us are training them? Um, the way they always have, right? We're going to get them as a director. Actually, we're going to go get them from another company two to three times. Then we're going to promote somebody internally. I think the more important question is how are we going to start this business together? Because I love it. VP of sales <laughs> cohort training. And, and let me tell you right now, 50% of the value is just connecting them with each other. When we do oh, that yeah. sort of thing with our friends of factor eight, everybody loves it. Like, just help me see up and outside my own organization and, you know, get some input from peers. Yeah. That's one of the benefits that people get actually when they go to Serpent Sales is they end up spending a week with people who have either been a VP of sales more more than one time or people who are currently in that role. Yes. Peers who want to get to that kind of role. Right. And that kind of creates a cohort of people. Yeah. 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 So listen, I'm thinking about the female side of Serpent Sales because- I'm not going to put a wetsuit on in front of you guys. You don't need but a wetsuit. You don't need to. What about spa and sales? I think that the licensing fee revenue that we could get from that off of you could be yeah. really good. Could be massive. I, I already bought the, I've already bought the website for it. So. <laughs> Do you know how many different variations of surf and sales 
we've been pitched now. Spa and sales, golf and sales, hunting and sales. You go on and on and on and on. I bet it's true. So here's, you guys here's have something such a cool we- idea. And surfing's your passion. Why am I trying to change it? I guess I'm trying to get more women to your event. Well, so that's- you'd be surprised how many come, Lauren. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know Katie raves about it, yeah, right? So Katie's are- a graduate of my program and your program. Yeah. yeah. We- our, our first session, uh, we sold it out in, in four days and we've op- since opened up a second one. There's nine, fem- uh, nine male guests and six female guests. Yeah, that's great. It's not, not 50-50 and not 60-40 in favor of women, but that's pretty darn good balance. That's better than the, than the current yeah. ratios yeah. in sales. So I think- and, 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 we're, and we're 25% sold out of our, of our second week. And right now the split is 50-50 female to male. Way to go, guys. Sorry, I'm trying to sell something. It's not a problem. No, well, so here's the other thought, and we, we've talked to women. I'd love your opinion on this, is we've thought about doing a women's only surfing sales, and we're conscious of sort of, okay, three dudes doing this, right? There's an yeah. optics to that. Yeah. But the feedback we got was that, you know, now that we've been doing this a while, people would trust us to do it. And, you know, we even came up with the idea of, you know, as we do some of the training sessions, there would be sessions where Scott, Jeff, and I just wouldn't go. Like it's yeah. where you guys can create a safe space yeah. to have a conversation around something that you don't need guys there for, right? Well, so, you know, let me tell you something I've loved learning in Girls Club is that we're really open to having guys there. I don't think we've had any training sessions where we don't have men with us because we have male mentors and advocates and they're invited to everything. So, I mean, we've literally had conversations about, oh my God, this one was about maternity leave. And I had 50 women and about four men in this webinar. And the women were not afraid at all. They spoke up. There's actually a study about this out of George Washington University that says women have to be the super majority of a group in order to feel comfortable speaking up an equitable amount of time as the men. So if you have a group of five, right? And, and, and one of them's a woman, she'll barely ever speak. The same thing happens at two, three, right? If women are four or five out of five, then they'll speak their equal share, which is 20%, right? In this group of, or 25% a group of four, 20% a group of five. So if, if you do a surf and sales and you have some, like put a woman in charge of the topic as the facilitator, but don't we feel do. like you have to yeah. leave the room. It's, it's okay. When they're together with other women, we love that. There's studies about that too. That's a, their favorite parts of the training when we survey at the end are any of the group sessions because we get to build the social connections with each other. And um, I've never heard somebody in Girls Club try to mail bash or exclude for any reason whatsoever. We just need to have enough women around to help us feel comfortable that we're not the minority. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it does. It's, it's making me think too that particularly in the, in the group we've sold out where we have six women. Um, and, and we do like part of the goal is like people can come in and teach something that they're passionate about. Right. So yeah. if you came down, you could come in and teach something. Yeah. But now that we do have six women, you know, trying to create a, a session for 30 or 45 minutes where they can have a topic that they want to cover. Mm-hmm. Right. Maybe, you know, you know, Lauren, if you come, you can do it. Um, or you could, you know, not come and buy a sponsorship and then we'd let you lead a session through Zoom in Costa Rica for women. So I just heard an invite there, actually. I'm not I'm not shying away from that in a heartbeat. So that's cool. Um, 
Yeah, no, I, I think I, it it's making me think, Scott, we've never talked about doing that, but I think it's something we should consider for this one. Um, I think it'd be a fun thing. And and by the way, I'd be, I listen, I'd be honored to be part of it. I'd love to lead that conversation. Come on down. Like but, so many people don't even go in the water. So trust me, you know, just- I scuba certified in Costa Rica. I love Costa Rica. All right. Um, but any one she's, of those women- under, She's underselling herself here. She, totally. now she's like, I'm a scuba certified- Right. I've been to Costa Rica. There's scope. There's scuba in sales. There's that one you can do. Right. I love the water. I really do. I love the water, but I've also had two babies and I've got no interest in being around. Like I used to hate that with sales leadership. If you win a president's club, right? Listen, every time you take a team to Tahiti, the women are fucking stressed out about that. So where should they take? So where should it go? What should it be? Listen, those are the best trips. I loved it too. Just give me time on the beach where I'm not with all of my male colleagues. The the first time I went on one of those to Hawaii, oh, it was disgusting how often I was hit on and put in bad situations, and it was not nice. And by the way, if you ask a group of women how often they've been inappropriately approached at a work event, and I ask this every year in the cohort, do you want to guess what percentage of the hands go up? All of them. 100% every time. Yeah. So then the next time I was so careful about not wanting to do that, that I avoided the group drinking. I avoided the beach scenes and I wore dudes board shorts over my swimsuit and fucked up my tan lines. This is important stuff. So, so what is so what is your so what is your advice because i we've had this conversation have you yeah with with people who come and you know as the trust levels there they get it um as you know as the stories come back that like you know we we give the speech when we get there of like don't be an asshole nobody here be an asshole don't be the person who gets drunk and throws up don't be the yeah. person who makes gets drunk and paws right like, and we, fondles his beard yeah so we we've been Super fortunate. We've not. I don't think we've had an incident. Um, oh, you, know. you don't think we've had? There's been no incidents. There's right. no incidents. Well, you know, selects. Yes. And but so, you've got a different audience, don't you? You're not taking a group of 50, 20 somethings that are starting up in sales to Hawaii to unlimited booze. You take fifteen people. That's a mix of CEOs, yeah. VPs, individual so what so so talk so talk about that because you know hopefully in later this year 2022 president's clubs kick off we do have surf and sales in november um what's the advice you do give a woman who has those concerns going into this right um where where it's you know it's not for like i hate to say it this way but it's not us where we're sort of a known entity look and if something went bad everybody would know like it would get back publicly like who we are but what advice do you give to women around that concern that they do have? It's a tough one and it's loaded and I am not certified to offer this advice, be clear. I'm not an HR department, I'm not a legal consultant, I'm just a woman who's had to wear a swimsuit to a work event. So, hmm. But I think you have perspective. I mean, like, yeah. you know. Yeah, well, okay, here, here we go. Let's see what comes top of mind. The first one is um, carve out your own alone space, whether it's with the friend you brought with you or by yourself, so that you will actually enjoy that vacation. And if that means sunning yourself on the other side of the island or, you know, taking an afternoon so that you really feel like you're enjoying this and not nervous or on display or any of those things, my number one goal is that you feel like this was a reward for yourself. 
And if that's being by yourself in your swimsuit, great, right? The second piece of advice I have is um, just have a plan going into any and all of the events. So if, if we know that it's a luau, right? So have a plan going into this luau. And that's going to include what you're going to wear in a way that is appropriate and fun, right? So maybe it's not a bikini and a lay, right? Maybe you're fine in shorts and a lay or something else. Like don't feel like you have to, to, to match some sort of a dress code that you look, look up. Dress for what makes you feel comfortable and confident. And, and for me, that second trip, it was board shorts. Like I didn't even have to worry about who was counting the dimples on my ass when I was, you know, swimming with the sharks in Tahiti. So I just wore the board shorts and it made me comfortable. The problem was I didn't enjoy the vacation as much as if I just taken my own time. Hence number one tip and then have an exit strategy. Most of us have talked about the fact that ladies, you can't be the last one at the happy hour. Now I'm sorry that that's true. But ladies, if you're the last one at the happy hour, somebody's going to spread a rumor about you somewhere. That still happens. And so if you, what's your exit strategy as you leave an event? And, you know, when is that? And what do you want to do afterwards that's fun for you? Especially if you have somebody with you, right? You and your husband are going to go to the dinner and you're going to stay for a couple hours of drinks. And then the two of you are going to walk on the beach or go down the street to the bar until 3 a.m. or Something that still makes you happy, but keeps you out of the situation. That's the goal. And keeping yourself out of the situation is that you're not surrounded by a ratio of five to one men to women after 1 a.m. Oh my God, the texts I'm going to get about this advice. It's not fair. I'm sitting but here going, oh my God, I feel like I asked a loaded question. It is a loaded it, question. And it's like, I don't, I don't think a guy thinks about any one of those things. And, they, and none of us should have to. Right. Like but here's the truth. I, I disagree with that. I definitely think about those things. I go, to, I go to the work event, two drinks and go. Yeah. Well, Boom. that's because you've Nothing. been in leadership for a while and you understand he wants to have fun. Nothing good. Nothing yeah, good happens after the second event. drink or midnight, right? Yeah. Oh, way before that, 10, p, 10 p.m. for me. Well, that's because wow. I'm old. It's like 8 p.m. for me now. Yeah. But here's the thing. We shouldn't have to think about it. But here, let me just explain the context. And I feel like I'm backpedaling a little bit. And, and, and this is for all the people who are angry that I'm giving this advice. They can text um, us. Yeah, don't fucking text me. Um, when I made it to director in the company where I came up, right? The next month, I was told about three men I was sleeping with. Oh. All news to me. Right. Some of them, I thought I did pretty well. <laughs> I could have enjoyed that more. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's bullshit, but it happens. And I think it happens less and less, but people love to talk about how women sleep their way to the top. And half the people who talk about that are women, um, at least half. And that's not nice either. We're, we're working on changing that and supporting each other better, but it, there are loaded situations when there are drinks involved parties involved and swimsuits involved and that's just the truth of the matter and maybe it always will be hope not but i think that's also one of the advantages of, of surf and sales it's a small group of 15 people right it, what a wonderful opportunity to feel comfortable right and to feel um kinship yeah. and and be with colleagues 
and enjoy yourself in a safe place. Richard, the first time we talked about it, I was like, oh, this is not what I thought it was. That's cool. I want to be a part of that. We're still waiting. Like, yeah, well, listen, I'm waiting for the invite. Where, yeah. how, do, how do people find out about it? Oh. Surfandsales.com? <laughs> Surfandsales.com. It couldn't be any easier, right? I have my invite on video. So yeah. there it is. Sure. There it is. I'm writing gotta, it down. We got to do a wrap up. This is flown by like such a good session. Like I'm, I'm chatting with Scott of like, oh my God, this is so good because we got to go deep on topics that we care about that we don't know how to lead into. So I really appreciate all the advice you've given to everybody and, and even I myself. Can't wait. I can't wait to see what people comment about this. I hope that we added value and not just shock. Oh, no, I think but we there's did. There's the truth behind the curtain right there. We were talking about getting real and boy, did we. Yeah. So we got to give a, a quick shout out to uh, Salesforce Revenue Cloud, Lead411 and Gong.io. And we promised you, um, you know, you can turn around and ask us a question. So feel free to ask us for something before we quickly close it out. I know that we're over time. I think I did throughout. I'm not going to. I, if I did, I'm going to come up with some sort of a zinger and I just, it, and it's not, you guys have been so authentic and so cool. And I've loved learning like what you're really looking for and how you create the right atmosphere. And I'm going to leave it where it lies. Cause I know we're at time. Cool. Well, thanks Lauren. It's always good to see you and catch up with you. Um, so we should probably just do a quarterly phone call anyway, that, you know, the two or three of us just to check in, but uh, I like that a lot. You guys are awesome. Thanks, Thanks so much, Lauren. Thanks, you guys. Bye.